Welcome to Freedom to Choose, brought to you by Just As I Am Ministries, giving hope to people caught in the devastation of addiction. In their series, Questions from Prison, Rich and Susan Kallenberg share 14 messages they teach to prisoners and answer their questions from within the walls of captivity. Rich and Susan Kallenberg are a husband and wife team who found freedom 18 years ago from their out-of-control lives of drug addiction and alcoholism. Break free from the chains that may bind you or your loved ones. Now here's Rich and Susan on Freedom to Choose. Hello everyone, my name is Rich Kallenberg and this is Freedom to Choose and uh, this is also our series, Questions from Prison. And uh, Susan, tell us a little bit about our series, Questions from Prison, and why we're calling the series Questions from Prison. Well, we go in every Saturday afternoon to Folsom Prison and uh, right now we're going through a book called uh, Steps to Christ, the Recovery Edition. And um, we have uh, quite a few women that come in and attend, and we have a Bible study going through this book and comparing Scripture, and so we thought it would be a good idea to share that information. It, it is a good idea, I think, also because when we talk about—I uh, think the title of the book itself answers the question of how do I overcome an addiction, right. Steps to Christ, Recovery Edition. Mm-hmm. It's Lead Them to Christ— and they will recover. That's it. That's right. that's the process. Yes. And so if, if if anybody's listening and they'd like to get a copy of that book, they can give us a call at 916-645-1297. Okay, so what are, what are we recovering from? Ugh. Recovering from sin. Sin. Because when we choose to do something over and over that's wrong, that's an addiction, but it's also sin. Right. Yeah. Okay, well, before we get started and get too deep into things, Susan, would you open today's program with a word of prayer? Yes. Our loving Father in heaven, we thank you that uh, you provide information so that we can be freed from our addictions. We pray now that you will send your spirit to speak through us and to um, work with everybody who's listening, that we may be freed from the bonds that chain us as well. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, typically, we start uh, the program with a couple of questions uh, that we put up uh, when we're when we're in the women's facility. We put these questions up on the board as we begin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this particular week, we put up just two questions. One: Will God remove our shortcomings? And with that question comes a Bible text that says, "If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins." and purify us from all unrighteousness. And the other question that we put up there was, can we count on this promise? Which causes me, of course, to ask one more question, and that is, whose promise is it? Right. It's not our promise. No. So can we count on God's promise? That's when you boil it all down, it says he is faithful faithful. and just. Mm -hmm. He's the one that's faithful. The problem is in our relationship with God is we're the ones that aren't faithful. So the question is, again, is not about the text so much as can we count on him being faithful? Right, because we know as we've gone through addictions, whether it be drug or emotional or or any type of physical addiction, we know that we were always unfaithful to ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so that's 
that's a great promise to be able to rely on, upon God. That's, that's true. Now, we're in week seven, and the title of week seven is what? Following Jesus, the test of discipleship. Stick close to Jesus as he removes the defects in your character. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, and a new life has begun. That's 2 Corinthians 5.17. Now, we could spend all day on this text. Yes. The old life is gone, and a new life has begun. What does that mean, the old life is gone? I mean, is it wiped from your memory? Well, I know for me, it wasn't necessarily wiped from my from my memory, so no. So it's not gone in that sense. Right. How can you help us? How is it gone? Well, we may not be able to pinpoint the exact time or place or tell when the chain of events occurred in our conversion, but this doesn't mean that we haven't turned to God. And Jesus says the wind blows where it wants. So something is happening. Something's happening. Right. And the old life is fading in the rearview mirror, I hope. And the new life, the new person, the, the new person that this Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is turning you into causes you to see everything in a different line of vision. You know, just as you can hear the wind, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going, you can't explain how people are born in the Spirit. That's how John, John puts it in John 3.8. Um, you know, our little donkeys... The donkeys. The donkeys out in the field. And I'd like to, to think of, of, I mean, just watching them. If, if you watch them and all of a sudden they all start looking in one direction and their ears turn a different way and they're like at attention, you know there is something out in that field. It's either a skunk or a cat or a coyote, sometimes a deer, but they act a little more curious when it's a deer. Mm-hmm. But when it's a skunk or a coyote, I mean, they're they're on point. Right. And even if I can't see what that animal is out there, I know there's an animal out there because of the response. I can see something, something is happening. Something is causing them donkeys to act in a certain way. That's how the Holy Spirit works. That's right. That's how God works in your heart. You can't see him do it, but he sparks new life in your soul. He starts to remove the defects of your character, and he creates a new inner self modeled after God's character. Even though the Spirit works behind the scenes, everyone can see the results of his work. That's right. I mean, if your heart's been renewed by the Holy Spirit, your, your, your life will reveal it. Right. He'll show it. Um, I know we try real hard to remove our own defects in character, and it drives us up the wall, mm-hmm. you know. Um, trying to stamp out sin, if you will, right. instead of crowding it out with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, but the more we surrender to God, the more our lives will be in harmony with God, and it's kind of an automatic. It just it happens, and, we, and other people will notice it more than we notice it. Uh-huh. Um, the the I, difference between what we used to do and what we do now is probably pretty obvious (laughs) to a lot of people, right? Uh But we just keep plugging along, right? Right. I mean, that's the walk. Well, because there's still a whole lot more that needs to get done. You know, there's a lot more, even though, and that's the thing is we try to encourage the women in prison that even though uh, we may look like we're pretty well cleaned up and it's, we're many years from our actual physical addiction to drugs, 
there's still a lot that goes on behind the ears. And I think that that um, can manifest itself in in re- in relationship to who's on your heart. Mm-hmm. And so even though um, we may look good on the outside, there's still probably a lot of things that God wants to work with and deal with on and the I th- inside. Yeah, and I think we got to be careful about like acting in a certain way and acting in a certain way to prove that God is working in our life just because we know we should act a certain way. You know what I'm saying? In other words, you might act generously even though you're actually selfish um, just because... That's the way you're supposed to act. That's the way you're supposed to act. Mm -hmm. And really, what's the key? The key to notice what's going on in your heart is who are you fixed upon? Where are your thoughts Mm -hmm. all, all day long? Who are you choosing to dwell on? Right. I mean, I think that's the main thing. Who do you love the most and who are you willing to follow? If you belong to Jesus, he'll be your first priority. Your sweetest thoughts will be of him. You'll dedicate all you have to him, everything you are. You'll long to act like him, obey him, and please him in everything. You become a new person. You become a new person. Right. Self is put aside. You know, normally as we go through life, self is always at the forefront. And and uh, and so it's more about what I want and what I need to get. But when we allow the Holy Spirit to take control of our hearts, then we're connected to Jesus. And then um, our actions and our fruits are different. Our fruits, yes. like Galatians 5, 22 and 23, when you stay connected to Jesus, you will be filled with what? Love, joy, peace, patience. Oh, that's a tough one. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and what's the last one? Self-control. Self-control. Self-mastery. Self-mastery, self-dignity. That is huge in your relationship with other people. Mm-hmm. I mean, is that is there any better way to destroy a relationship with someone else is if you lose your self-control, if you're constantly losing your self-control? Um you know, how can you lose your self-control? In in what which ways would that manifest itself? Anger, right? Um, jealousy, mm-hmm. all these types of behaviors that control a person rather than a person. Resentment, resentments, right. uh, these types of things. We lose our self-control in, in many other ways other than you know just a bottle or a baggie. And I know that we've talked about this before, but what we dwell on that's what we become. And so if we're angry and if we're jealous and if we're resenting another person, that actually creates a change in our own minds and our own hearts and we become different people. And that's why sin is so dangerous. Even that's why sin within between the two ears becomes so dangerous is because no one else can even see that it's happening mm-hmm. but as we go down that track we're actually changing our brains into um, a person that can't be trusted well, that's that's an interesting thing you just said that a person that cannot be trusted mm-hmm. um how about our relationship can you trust me yes why why do you trust me because of my experience with you and it's been demonstrated that um you know, through the years, there's been a demonstration that I can trust you. Okay, so a, re- a good relationship with God, can we trust God? Because remember, our, our opening text was if we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just. Right. Right? Yes. So so can we trust him? Yes. 
So the the more we get to know him, the more we will learn and learn to trust him. Correct. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, and the more we dwell on him and the more we read about Jesus and the more we read about how he treated sinners and what he did to, in order to try to win them and, and, and win their love. And sweep up all that broken glass. Sweep up the broken of glass of all these lives throughout the Bible, what God has gone through. Because I think ultimately that's where that's where the rub comes, right? That's where we have trouble, especially as we're we're in the prison. It's being really able to trust God with mm-hmm. our with our inner thoughts and with our emotions and with our fears and and all those things. And and that's what God is looking for. God is looking for someone who really believes, who trusts, who who has faith in him and and he can have that relationship with us. And that's how the faith heals. Right. That's how it heals. It's it's not some magical thing. It's trusting in God that he is going to keep his promises. And if we trust him, um what is so so we want to we don't want to give in to immoral behavior, but I want to ask the question, what is immoral behavior? I mean, can immoral immoral behavior be thinking? I think it can be. I mean, you've asked me many times, what are you doing? I'm thinking. About what? About what? <laughs> Nothing, but I'm thinking, right? No, because Jesus, he, he went that far. Mm-hmm. He said, I, you know what? If you're thinking about a woman to lust upon her, that's bad behavior. Right. That's bad behavior. Or if you hate your brother. If you hate your brother. Mm-hmm. You're angry without a cause. That's bad behavior. See, so thinking is a behavior. Mm-hmm. Bad thinking is a bad behavioral addiction. Right. If you're thinking, we've said it before, if you're thinking angry thoughts, you are teaching your brain to become an angry brain. You will be an angry person. That's who you will become mm-hmm. because of that angry thinking behavior. Mm-hmm. Take it to jealousy. Take it to gossip. Take it to resentment. Take it to all these different behaviors that happen in a person's life, all these different thinking that thinking patterns or thought patterns that a person uh, dwells upon in their lives. What if you're what if you're a drug addict and all you do and you're you're a recovering drug addict, but all you're doing is dwelling or thinking on doing drugs? What's going to happen? You're going to fall back. You're going to fall back. Mm-hmm. That's why we need to be surrounded by clean and sober people, mm-hmm. people that are thinking of like mind, and they're all thinking that drugs are not an option. Right. Because if you get off to yourself, you get out of the group, and you're just and, and you and you get and you inside. go rely back on your old memories, then you're in trouble. Then drugs become an option, right? And I believe that that can go to our own personal thoughts as well. So even if you ha- you're not struggling with a drug addiction, that can happen with the behaviors and the thinking patterns that we were thinking before, or you know, and and you know what? Another one is guilt. Guilt. Having you know a good a good amount of, amount of healthy guilt is good. But not when it's it gets to the point where you're so beat down that you can never rise above it. And you keep con- continue to pile that guilt upon yourself, and so you become a guilty person. Right. That's who you become. Right. You know. God, because God desires us to be free. Right. And how does He set us free? Well, you know, um, let's talk just a little bit about repentance and change. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because well, let's talk a little bit about cleaning up the mess. Um, I know for me, it was a desire as soon when I got clean and sober and I realized everything I had done in my life was wrong, Mm -hmm. you know, and I had to go back and I didn't have to, but I decided I needed to tell some people I was sorry, clean Mm -hmm. up 
Some had, messes. Had to go back to the IRS. Had to go back to the IRS and tell him I was sorry. We found the, the best tax person there ever was. And <laughs> you go in all these things, you're almost compelled to do the right thing. Uh, pay back what you've stolen. And one of those things that a person can steal, you say, well, okay, I was never a drug addict. I never did this and I never did that. Have you ever stolen time from anyone? Mm. Have you ever been addicted to whatever work, w- work, um, Facebook, uh, any of those other types of behavioral addictions where you're stealing time from someone mm-hmm. and that time is valuable. Right. Okay. And when we become a new person and I believe we need to be converted in a lot of areas of our lives, you know, I mean, we're converted, we're following Jesus, and then then all of a sudden something will come up and you realize, boy, I've really got bad behavior in this area of my life, but you know what? I really don't want to change right now. Mm-hmm. And then the Holy Spirit starts working on you, and you begin to change in that area and realize, you know what? This is I need to do the right thing. I need, I need to give some time back to that person that I stole time from. And, and I think it's as we can receive God's love that we can truly love other people, and that, that changes our character. It does. So, so love, is a, love is a moving force because God said, I loved you before you loved me. And that's why. With you, an everlasting yeah, love. Yeah, yeah and that's how, it, that's how it starts. God's love draws us. Right. It, it softens the character. It changes the heart. As we continue to dwell upon him and his goodness, uh, we begin to be free. When we recognize that he has uh, forgiven us for our shortcomings, then we can begin to forgive others and then also begin to forgive ourselves. And then we stop keeping score on other people. It turns us into a different person. It does. It does. Now, there's two mistakes when we're learning to trust Jesus that we can make, and that is the first biggest pitfall is to try to be good enough mm-hmm. to earn favor with God mm-hmm. um, because that's impossible. can't do it by your own efforts. Without Jesus, everything you do is polluted with selfishness and sin. It's only by trusting in Jesus and his sacrifice that you can be made holy, that you can even want to do the right thing. So um, to think that you need to be good before you can bring it to the foot of the cross, that you need to somehow clean yourself up a little bit before he'll accept you, is backwards thinking. Right, we should never wait to come to the cross. No, never wait. And then the second mistake is just as dangerous, and that's thinking that if you just believe that you don't have to be good, if or, you will. Or, or change your, your... Change your right. behavior, mm-hmm. you know. Um, a lot of people do think that their behavior has nothing to do with being saved, and, and really... Um, when it comes down to it, no, that is correct. But let's boil it down a little bit deeper and say, number one, what is obedience? Because obedience is in the Bible is a little bit different than just doing what God says. Mm-hmm. Obedience basically is a willingness to listen, mm-hmm. a willingness to trust. That's all God wants. He wants you to be willing to listen to him. Mm-hmm. He knows you're going to make mistakes. But as long as you're continued to have that willingness to listen, to be open to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, that's what biblical obedience is, is someone that comes to God all the time with this willingness to listen. 
Right, because with that willingness to listen, you have that willingness in your heart to want to be a different person, to be the person that God calls you to be, because you can't be a stagnant Christian. You can't, it's not just a staying where you're at. There is always, you know, we like to, our ministry is called Just As I Am Ministries, but we say Christ accepts us just as we are, but then he he calls us to something better, to that changed life. That changed life. Let's go back to what Jesus said. When he said, um, when he said, if you think on a woman to lust after her, mm-hmm. you've already committed adultery in your heart. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what he's saying is he's talking about where this law is, and he says, in your heart. Okay. So he's talking about the same law. The same law that was in the Old Testament is the same law in the New Testament. The only thing that's different is the law in the Old Testament was written on stone. Jesus says, I want that law between your ears. Right. So what do we mean by that? That sounds awfully scary. Here's that ugly law again, that, that, that monster law. No. Um, if you're, if you're, why do you drive 25 miles an hour in a school zone? Because the, the sign says so? Sometimes. Sometimes. Or because maybe you might get a ticket? Because maybe. there might be a police officer around the corner with a radar gun? Sometimes, right? Or because there's children. Right. See, if you're driving 25 just because the sign says so, or just because you might get a ticket, yeah, you're under the law. Right. But if you drive into that zone worried about those children, you don't need 25 mile an hour zone sign. You don't need a police officer with a radar gun. Because the law is written in your heart. You're right. worried about the children. Right. You're doing the right thing You're because it's the right thing to doing do. Doing the right thing because it's the right thing. That's why Jesus says, don't lust after a woman because it will change you. Because you're going to desire to want to do that more do and more. Do the wrong thing. Right. Don't be angry with your brother because it's wrong. It'll change you. And so I want that law written in your heart. I want you to be love the, God love and God love others and love your neighbor as yourself. Right. And that way there you can become that changed person and you can no longer live with guilt. No longer, hey, there's nothing worse than being in a hurry and trying to get through that 25 mile an hour zone. And that, that sign, the kid over. Then that sign becomes a burden. And what do you do? You take a chance at running a child over. Right. Why? Because we might be in a hurry and might be selfish. So when the sign becomes a burden, when the law becomes a burden, that's when we need to inquire. Right. What is it about me in my heart that, that if I want to gossip about somebody, what is it about me in my heart that that becomes a burden or a hindrance? Or if I want to get angry. Or what do we, what do we if we're gossiping about somebody, what is it that we really get out of that? What part of that bad behavior what is it feeding? What is it satisfying? Yeah, right. what, what is it satisfying for us? So these are the types of things I think Jesus was trying to convey to everyone he went. And I think that's one of the reasons why he healed them physically before he went on to tell them more about the gospel and more about his father. Was and and I know we've talked about it before, uh, especially with the drugs and and stuff that the drugs do a lot of damage a lot of damage to the inside Mm -hmm. as and so you can tell by looking at the outside of someone when you know when their face is all um blistered up or or scabbed up and their teeth are gone because the drugs have done certain things to them and then you wonder what is going on 
on the inside. Right. Well, the same type of thing to a Christian that is is fighting the Holy Spirit, the same type of thing on the outside, they're trying to look good, and on the inside, they're being destroyed, just like the drugs destroy the brain, and just like the drugs will really... Uh, really cause brain damage, so does sin. And that's all that Jesus is trying to, um, trying to get across. Um, you know, we've asked this question before, and Jesus always asked before he healed someone, do you want to be made well? Well, do you want to be made well? Um, next week, we'll head into week eight of the book, Step to Christ, Recovery Edition. Um, if you'd like to get a hold of this book, you can give us a call at 916-645-1297. That's 916-645-1297. Remember, there's nothing you can do to heal yourself. There is nothing you can do. We must come to Jesus. So remember, folks, there's only two ways to live your life. One is like nothing is a miracle. The other is like everything is a miracle, and you have the freedom to choose. Do I love my neighbor? Do I love them? Can I feel his pain and his need? Thank you for listening to Freedom to Choose in the series Questions from Prison. There truly is hope for anyone whose life is in addiction captivity. Whether behind walls or not, Rich and Susan are living testimonials and they've created this seven-step biblically-based handbook and a recovery workbook to move those you love toward freedom. If you'd like to order the Addiction Recovery Workbook for someone you know, or if you're a member of a church and you'd like to create a ministry in the area of addiction, Rich and Susan can help you get started. Please call Rich and Susan at 916-645-1297 or go to justasiamministries.com. As a nonprofit, they're supported by people like you. Call 916-645-1297 or go to justasiamministries.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you.